Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for This podcast with uh, me, Father John Ricardo. I'm your host. I'm the executive director of Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything related to transforming parishes. And we are back together again with uh, Mary and Nick. Nick, welcome back after a couple of weeks off and the beautiful gift of uh, young little Anne Catherine, who we got a chance to see the other day. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Uh, thanks, Father John, Mary. It's great to be back. And yes, our our third child, our first daughter, Anne Catherine, uh, was born a couple of weeks ago. And so, uh, thank you, Jesus, for answered prayers. Healthy mom, healthy baby, and um, uh, the gift of new life. So, yeah, today's today's episode. Gosh, um, we're I know we're pretty fired up. This is this is dear to our hearts. So, kind of today's episode is going to begin like almost like a mini series within mm. our podcast um, on what we have here at X29. It's a white paper. We have just published a white paper. We'll talk about what that is and more about that in a minute. But that white paper is called um, Reimagining What a Catholic Parish Can Be, a Destination for the 21st Century. And you can find this white paper at imaginethis.x29.org. And as always, X29 is spelled A-C-T-S-X-X-I-X.org. So we want to immediately be clear about why we wrote this white paper, why, why we felt led by the Holy Spirit to publish this. And it's really because we are convinced here um, from our own experience in both priestly and parish ministry, as well as our experience in ministering to priests and parishes across the country, that the present model of parish life is really unsustainable and is not what God is asking for in these days. And the current mm-hmm. COVID-19 pandemic and all the fallout from it, is at least being allowed by God and is acting as an accelerant um, to do this now. So in future episodes, we'll get into the details about the paper. Um, but today we really want to take a moment and, and kind of quickly set the table and orient ourselves in light of the uh, current climate, the current culture in the church. And then especially again, in, in light of, in light of uh, COVID-19. So, so we'll get some broad strokes today and get moving in the next episode. So Father John, as always though, will you um, pray us in? Yeah, let's, let's pray in a most particular way today, given all that's going on, not just in the church, but in the country, in the world, that God would uh, give encouragement and hope to us uh, right now as we uh, record this and also to all those who are listening. And just, you know, as we come fresh off the Feast of Pentecost, that, uh, that, that dew of the Holy Spirit would fall upon those places which uh, quite literally are on fire and upon our minds and our hearts, which uh, might be raging as well. And so let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Gracious Father, we do ask uh, for your mercy upon the world in which we live, upon our country, uh, upon our church. Lord, in the midst of so much confusion and unrest and injustice, in the midst of all the fear and anxiety that so many of us are experiencing in these days. Lord, we ask for that gift of your Holy Spirit to descend in power upon us, just as he did upon Our Lady and the Apostles in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, which we just celebrated. Give especially uh, to those places which are divided, uh, a spirit of unity to those places which are uh, filled with Uh, violence or hatred, a spirit of mercy and of being able to sit down at the table together. Lord, give to us in the church the grace that we need so as to render the service to the world in which we live that you have called us to do. 
And so we ask for your anointing now upon Mary and Nick and myself, that our words would be pleasing to you and bring hope and encouragement to those who are listening to us. Help us to remember that we are not alone and that you are with us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So guys, I wonder, maybe let's just, let's just talk quickly about, you know, we talk often over and over again in our ministry about what we call our three fundamental convictions. And boy, they're playing out in different ways now than they were when we first began our work, but they're still the same convictions, right? So the first conviction is the world is crying. The second is the church is crying. And the third is we were born for this. And so Mary, I mean, as you look around the world right now, I mean, how, how do you see that fundamental conviction playing out in front of our eyes and on the headlines? Yeah, right, Father. We, um, as you said, you know, we, we say that the world is crying. And I think I've said to you guys of late, it seems like the world is wailing, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, so all we have to do is read the, the news. Even this morning, the headlines are just extraordinary. Um, it seems like the world is literally a powder keg and, uh, and literally it's on fire right now. So we started out with COVID. And so with that, there was no small degree of fear and confusion. And now we have social unrest, racial tensions, violence. And then there's just so many levels of profound loss in mm-hmm. all of this, whether it's a loss of perceived freedom or loss of control or, Families are struggling with a loss of health or whether we've got the social distancing piece of all of this. And so all of this just continues to breed um, great discouragement and a lack of trust and just uh, a profound hopelessness. Hmm. Uh, Yeah. And again, you know, you read the news, there's plenty of blame, lots of accusation. And, um, you know, here we just celebrated Pentecost and it seems like, man, we are we're in desperate need of unity hmm. uh, because we are anything but a united nation and the world. Yeah. And so, so we, we often say, right, that the, the Lord institutes the church. He founds the church to be the means by which that cry, the world's cry, which is right in front of us right now in the headlines, wherever we look, can get answered. But the church is crying too. And so, Nick, as you look around the church right now, I mean, what do you see? Oh my goodness, yeah. So if we look, we look and sound just like the world right now. It's, it's, it's almost um, unbelievable in some sense, right? I mean, so here we are, the church, and and we hear the same kind of rhetoric present in the church right now. I mean, from the, from the beginning of COVID nineteen, right? People are trying to make these prudential judgments as bishops and as priests, and the name calling, the blame, the accusation, the harsh judgment coming from within our own walls. Is, it just creates encampments that are opposed to one another. And, and, and no, one, no one has known what the, always the right answer is in this time. And right? So people are afraid, they're irritated. And, um, and we're supposed, like you just said, Father John, we're supposed to be this image of, of unity, this voice of, of truth that makes sense of things through God's revelation. And yet here we are sowing our own divisions and our own, and our own sort of blame and name calling. But, and, and, uh, one thing that strikes me is the the conspiracy theories burbling up as the narrative among Christians. Like mm. the real narrative we all know 
is Jesus Christ is Lord, and he has conquered mm -hmm. sin, death, and hell. And, it's, and, and so the, the, the real narrative here is that sin, death, and hell are plaguing the world as they always have since the Garden of Eden. And Jesus is Lord, and he is seeking to do something about that through us, the church. And so that's, that's the Christian's call, is to refocus on the, the real narrative here. And so anyway, um, this, this, Father John, this, this, what, this season we're in the church right now, it's critical for us to, to find that narrative and enter back into our proper place as church in this time. Yeah, spot on. And then that, that leads right to the, to, to the third fundamental conviction for us, which is simply um, that we're not alive right now by chance, that God's created us, each and every one of us, to be alive at this moment in history. And he's equipped us with gifts for this time. And that's, that's the whole idea of what we call this podcast. Huh? Like you were born for this. Like that's a line that Joan of Arc said, and, and we think it's a true, a truth for each and every one of us too. And, and I know for myself, you know, both when I would, uh, when I'm counseling people, especially after difficult times happen, and then in my own life as well, you know, like the question that we often ask is why, like, why is this happening? Why, why, why did that happen to my son? Or why is this happening in, in, in the country that we're living in right now? And those questions, as, as important as they are, they rarely get answers, actually. And the, the question that we need to ask right now is, what should we do? And in a particular way, you know, let's move this into the focus of what we want to try to do in uh, not only this episode, but in the ones to come. We want to try to respond to what is God asking us to do now with regards to addressing uh, the situation in parishes? Because we would argue that uh, with the whole COVID-19 pandemic, as horrific as this has been, as difficult as this has been for so many of us, for all the reasons that you mentioned earlier, Mary, um, it's also an opportunity. It seems to be a grace that God is allowing for us in the church to face very directly some serious issues with regards to parish life that have been for one reason or another just kind of band-aided if i can say it that way over the last number of decades and now god's giving us an opportunity to just look at them directly and go we have to act um, perhaps um, you know you mentioned at the beginning of the the episode nick that, that covid is acting like an accelerant one of the ways it's acting as an accelerant is financially. There's so much financial fallout from mm -hmm. 40 million people who are mm -hmm. out of jobs right now, from small businesses that have closed. And certainly for many parishes, the financial fallout is massive. But again, there's a grace here. And the grace is, okay, something's happened. Maybe God's calling us to change the fundamental structures of parishes, which in decades past were sufficient for the need that they were serving, but now something needs to happen. And so that, that's what we're trying to propose in this white paper. Huh? So we want to we, we put out an idea, get a conversation started about what God might be asking us. But um, people are probably wondering, like, what the heck's a white paper? I mean, how hard can it be to publish a piece of paper that's white with nothing on it, right? So that's not a white paper. What's a, what, what is a white paper? So a, a white paper is um, a genre to describe a proposal that makes known um, a possible solution to a challenge before us, right? So, um, and it's important 
too, Father, to your point, um, we didn't set out to write a white paper, guys, did we? Like that was never on our radar. Yeah, like everybody, uh, when COVID hit, we became another, we, we were already a startup, but we became a big time startup once COVID hit because our work for the last almost year now has been traveling around the country doing retreats for priests and working uh, with dioceses, and then suddenly you can't get on a plane. So everything changed. And as we prayed and reflected and looked at what was going on, I mean, we felt like the Lord was calling us to speak into something. And I think Nick, you and I made a podcast when we published this uh, white paper originally and just said, we have sensed that the Lord gave us um, a prophetic word to speak. We, we leave that to the church as a whole to, to confirm or to deny. Um, we just felt like we had an obligation to, to put something out there because uh, it was really something that the Lord put on our hearts uh, as we continue to pray and think about what was going on. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. This um, much like, much like uh, the country as a whole was kind of hunkering down our own team as we hunkered down in our own work. It was, it was, it was very clear to all of us in prayer in our conversations something new is bubbling up here. Um, and, and the, we feel like the Lord is pulling us into a place to just try to advance that conversation, right? Like, which is the purpose of the white paper of any white paper is to try and advance, um, some knowledge or posit a solution, uh, going forward. And so that's what we've done here. We've, we've, we've prayerfully reimagined what a Catholic parish can be in the 21st century. And, and so by putting this forward, it's our hope that conversations, robust conversations all across the country will start to take place. You know, um, hopefully bishops in a particular way, this catches their eye and their teams. And so they can dream with the Holy Spirit, dream with the Lord. Lord, what are you calling parishes to become uh, right in front of us today? Yeah, and maybe just a thought, two quick, two quick thoughts as we just continue to give an overview of this. Huh? So one is, um, since we've published this, a number of people have, have chimed in, they've offered some great feedback, and I think we've heard from about eight or ten dioceses just saying that they're reading this, uh, the bishop's reading it, he's really intrigued by it, they want to talk. We've heard some feedback from other folks, laymen and women as well, and some people I think maybe misunderstand a little bit that we certainly don't intend to have the solution to parish life, nor do we have the solution to all that's wrong. You know, we simply want to focus in on parishes. We're leaving aside families and all sorts of other really important things. Um, but we're approaching this from uh, the perspective of problem solving. And so the first step in problem solving is what? To define the problem, right? And so as we look at parish life, both from, you know, my life as a pastor for the past 15 years, uh, Mary, you've worked in parish ministry pretty much your whole adult life. Nick, you've worked in uh, diocesan ministry in a couple of different dioceses, helped out coaching people all around. We've all been involved in parish ministry. I think we see at least four major problems that we're trying to address, both from our own experience personally in ministry as well as ministering to some 550 priests or so over these past 10 months. And, and so the, the problems, let's just identify them really quick, huh? And then maybe we can jump to a great analogy that, uh, that Deacon Steve offered us in prayer, and, and maybe that'll help people understand what we're trying to do. So the first problem that we're trying to solve, if you will, in the white paper is simply this. Priests right now, over and over again, 
whoever we talk to are burned out, isolated, lonely, discouraged, frustrated, under-resourced. No matter where we go. Now, that's not to say that every guy is in a crisis. He's not, right? But it's amazing how many times we hear from priests wherever we go, when we're praying with them, when we're bringing them on retreat, uh, when we're doing workshops with them, this theme. And it usually comes up by me simply talking about my own experience, uh, particularly when I left the parish and uh, kind of woke up after about uh, two weeks of being out of parish ministry and realizing, I, I think I'm in PTSD. And I had just gotten used to living with my head on a swivel, going from trauma to trauma to trauma or fire to fire to fire or emergency to emergency. And so many priests around the country are living like that and it's just not healthy and it, it, it can't sustain itself like this. So that's the first problem, right? The second problem is uh, staffs, parish staffs are too small, typically. They're underpaid and they're asked to do too much. So I think the average parish staff we saw has 2.5 staff members. So pastor plus 2.5 staff members to care for the lay faithful and to equip, it's just not possible, right? So that's the second problem we're trying to look at squarely. And these two things are really for the third and the fourth problems. So the third problem is the lay faithful in the pews, like they deserve the best, right? They deserve the best worship, the best of pastoral care, um, and the best of equipping so that they can do the work which is uniquely theirs, right? That, so the lay faithful, it's their task, it's their privileged task to evangelize and sanctify the world. But it's hard to be able to do that if I haven't received the best of equipping, right? I'm thinking of a, a friend of mine in the parish I, I left recently, and he said to me one time, um, something to the effect of, Father, I am sick and tired of being told I'm the primary educator of my children in the ways of faith. I don't know how to do that. And so he was longing to get equipped. So that's the third problem. And then the fourth problem is um, we want to be able to offer, every parish should be able to want to offer this, the best of opportunities for what we would often call shallow entry points for the nuns, that is to say, those who've, who have no religious affiliation whatsoever, or perhaps those who've fallen away from the church and, uh, and walked away from, from, the, uh, from the body of Christ for whatever reason. So those are the problems that we're trying to address huh, in the white paper, right? That's exactly right. And we found um, from Deacon Steve, our teammate and dear brother, this analogy he shared to be so helpful for what we've, what we've written, right? So uh, here it is. If you're, <clears throat> imagine that you are sitting down with an architect to build your dream house, right? I mean, this, is, this has been like a dream of your life. We're going to build the dream house. It's happening. And so you sit down with an architect. When you come to him, or her, you're gonna, the first thing you're going to say is we have some things we really want. We don't know what every detail of the house is going to look like, but we have some, if you will, non-negotiables um, to, to, to lay out for whatever this house is going to be. And so we might say like a non-negotiable is we want a ranch home. We don't want stairs anymore. We want a ranch. You know, that's, that's um, anything else would be unacceptable to us. We might also say we want um, huge closets in every room 
and, and, and several bed, like four bedrooms because we're going to host people or something like that. We want a kitchen with an island because that's where we spend most of our time. You're going to have things like this where you're going to say, we don't, we don't want this house unless it has these things. And so in that same way, when we're talking about parishes in this white paper, we are saying these areas, these four problems that Father John's identified just now, these four areas, we're saying these are the four non-negotiable things that need to get addressed in any re-envisioning of parish life for the 21st century for it to be successful. You know, as I'm listening to you guys talk about this, you know, uh, the dream house, it's kind of like, um, it's not like this is a remodel. Mm. So I was playing golf, uh, was playing golf yesterday with friends and I was looking out on the 10th fairway and it was just like all this land. It was just like this long, long fairway. And I'm thinking about the white paper, right? I should have been thinking about my tee shot, but I'm thinking about the white paper and I'm thinking you're, you're, we're talking about building from the ground up. Mm. We're not talking about blowing out the back of a house. Like we're talking about, and we talk about like, you know, you're building your dream house, but in essence, we're, we're putting our hands to God's plan for parish life. God's plan to best care for the people in the pews. God's plan to best care for the people outside the parish. You know, and, and we often say when we're in conversations, not only with one another, but with other brothers and sisters across the country, we all ultimately want what God wants. And so, you know, again, we were very convicted that this is something the Lord laid on our heart. Originally, you know, we were talking about our own diocese, but given what we've seen, we felt like perhaps this was a word from the Lord, you know, for, you know, for the nation. But again, I just, just kind of want to underscore that this is yep. construction. Yep. This, this isn't is not, tweaking. Yeah. This yeah, isn't that's a great on a new point, front Mary. porch. You yeah, know, this, this, is, this isn't a, a tweak. It's not a Band-Aid, and it's not about managing decline. What it's about is retooling to get stronger so that we can better uh, care for our brother priests, better care for the lay faithful who collaborate with them, so that the people in the pews can be best cared for, and the, the nations that do not yet know that Jesus is Lord and the hope that only comes from him can be presented to them in an attractive way. And, and I might add just one last thing too. You know, increasingly so over the last number of weeks uh, amongst ourselves, it's come up and in conversations with others, some sort of significant retooling we think is gonna be all the more important simply because uh, it's going to be harder to live the Christian life mm. alone. So this is true for priests. This is true for the lay faithful. We need each other as we move into, we're going to unpack this in episodes to come, ever more what, what, what's often called an apostolic age. As we move out of a, a, a Christendom age, and we'll talk about these words in the, in the next episode, we're going to need each other in a way that we haven't needed each other perhaps in decades in the past. So this is uh, this is a hopeful time for us in the church, we think, in, in the midst of all that's going on, the chaos that's going on all around us. I don't want to be naive. I don't want to be optimistic, but I do want to be hopeful. And the reason for our hope is just like you said at the very beginning, Nick, because Jesus is Lord. 
like right now, Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of heaven and of earth right now. He's the rightful king right now. And you and I have been created by him and called by him to follow him in this time so that we would be a means by which the gospel, which is power, might be proclaimed to people who are living, as a friend of ours has put it, the nightmare that is life apart from God. That's the church's task, is to proclaim the gospel, to do it in a compelling way, in an attractive way, and to win people to Jesus, uh, who is our only hope in this age in which we're living. So uh, what are we going to try to do in the episode to come? Yeah, so in the next episode, we're going to talk about those words you just referenced, Father John, Christendom and apostolic. So we're just going to share about how the last several decades, but you can go further back than that. You could really go back several hundred years, but the last, there's been a mode of operation in the church that has been able to sustain its life in a general, in a general way. And we've been living in that way as, as a church, if you will, from a leadership perspective, especially. And now the climate around us has shifted so rapidly. We mm. now have to live in a completely different mode in order to proclaim the gospel in this world in which we live. And so that's called apostolic. So we're going to talk about that change in reality that we've been in as a church in really recent years to the times we're in today in that next episode. Yeah. So it, I think we summarize it in the white paper. by simply asking the question, what time is it? That's right. Right. And so that's going to be an urgent thing for us to address as we continue to unpack this. So again, we just want to please invite everybody to go read the white paper. Um, Share it with your friends, share it with your pastor, share it with your bishop. Um, ask the Holy Spirit to continue to stir up ideas and inspirations. Um, we have tried to put forth uh, very much a destination, not a roadmap. Um, we're trying to get the conversation started again as to what parishes can be. We think it addresses these problems, which we see from our own experience are at the crux of uh, the need for creating something new, not tweaking it, as you said, Mary. Um, but hey, if, if someone's got better ideas, please put them out there. We, we, you know, we, we talk often about how we are uh, ambitious for God in our work in Acts 29, which means uh, while we think very little of ourselves, we think everything of him, and we know that he has a plan for us in this day and age in which we're living, and if we will get on our faces and ask him, he will show us what those plans might be. Right. And you know, Father, thank you for that. And um, so if you haven't read the paper yet, you know, we're asking you to read it and share it. Um, if you haven't read the paper yet, maybe what you can do in advance of the next podcast is to go to imaginethis.axe xxix.org. So it's at imaginethis.actsxxix.org. Great. Thanks, guys. So again, right now, please, everybody, just breathe. Just breathe. Don't be anxious. Don't be fearful. No matter what the headlines say, we live in tumultuous times to be sure. But Jesus is on his throne, which is not to say he's far away. Jesus is on his throne. 
and he's pouring out gifts on his people right now. And he's calling you and me as his body, as members of his body, to be a sign and an instrument of unity, of reconciliation, of hope, and of encouragement. Don't imitate the world. Don't sound like the world. Sound like the gospel. Give people encouragement by fixing their eyes firmly on his passion, on his death, and his resurrection. And as always, brothers and sisters, do not be afraid. God is with you. And you were born for this.